Amen. Go ahead and uh, get in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10. That was, you almost beat it. <laughs> Mark and Evie, it's great to have you guys in town. Nice. Nice. You won't appreciate coming back so much in January. Not coming back in January. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Window to visit family, uh, April through August. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 10. Before uh, we start our lesson, uh, as uh, usual, just go over a couple of questions. Uh, some were turned in this time, some uh, in the past. Um, question number one, should I push a sport on a child who's developing a lazy attitude? Uh, I don't really think you ought to push sports on anybody. Uh, and I say that, and I'm somebody who kind of believes that sports are uh, good for kids. Uh, it's good for their to burn off energy. It's good to learn to get along. It's good to learn to win, to compete, uh, to build confidence in themselves. Uh, I believe that, but I still don't believe you ought to push a sport on any, anyone. Uh, I do uh, think that you need to guard uh, the number of hours your kid spends behind a screen. You, you know, I, I think just sitting there all day uh, watching the screen, I, I think that does, you know, promote laziness. Uh, by the way, uh, if you let your kids, in, you know, watch too much of Cartoon Network, I think you actually shorten their attention span. If you have ever noticed, and I challenge you to do this, watch those kids' cartoons, and every three seconds they change the, 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 the scene. You can count it, 1,000, 1,000, 2,000. Thousand one thousand two thousand three, they change the scene all the time. And what you in effect are doing—they're sitting there, but they're learning to be inattentive, you know, because of the way they're structured. And so I would guard their screen time. Uh, if you feel like your kid's getting lazy, um, find stuff for uh, them uh, to do. I Means certainly your child ought to have age-appropriate tasks uh, in the home. Uh, if uh, you know things they do just because they're part of the family. You say, well, they're five. Well, find something appropriate for a five-year-old to do. If they're eight or ten, uh, they ought to have some things uh, that are assignments that they do to earn a little bit of money. Uh, you need to be deeply implanting in your child's heart and mind that laziness produces poverty, uh, laziness produces empty dreams, and it's just a terrible, terrible, terrible quality in a, in a human uh, being. Um, when it comes to uh, forcing your kids to do stuff, there are things you should force them to do. I mean, that's a part of why you're there. A kid doesn't know always what's best for themselves. But, but I would always, when it comes to things like this, you know, use motivation. Uh, you have a lot more control than you realize uh, of shaping your child's tastes. You know, when they're little, they're basically going to be excited about whatever you're excited about. I mean, uh, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's watching the Bengals or, you know, uh, painting, you name it. Uh, and, and so I would just be careful what you're excited about and uh, motivate them whenever uh, you uh, want them to do something. Uh, that they don't want to do, but if it's that important, force them. Question number two, but I wouldn't force a sport. A homeschooled child keeps giving my public school child a hard time and insulting them for their education. What should I do? 
Um, this is one of the many teachable moments in your child's life. You, you know, remember, children are not teachable all the time. Um, they really are only opening to listening when something's going that's bothering them. So this is a teachable moment. And if you have prayerfully picked the method that you feel that the Lord would be most pleased for you to educate your children, A, it shouldn't bother you much when somebody else differs because you're picking what's right for your kids. And this is your opportunity to teach your child. Hey, this is why we chose to do that. And, um, you know, this is why they chose to do that. Uh, This is what we do. You know, and it's good for your child to, you know what? It's a good for your child to know, you know, that as they get a little older, that, you know, not every committed Christian is the same on everything. That there are some things we should be the same on as a committed Christian. But, but all committed Christians aren't the same on everything. And, and you know what? These are teachable moments, so help them. You, you know what? Every method that you choose to educate your child has its weaknesses and its strengths. And if you think that there's nothing but strengths with homeschool or Christian school or public school, you have your head in the sand. It's your job as a parent to know the strengths and weaknesses, not just of your child, but of these systems. And if you don't, how do you help your child with the weaknesses associated with it? So just pick the one that's right for your family and and teach your children. Question number three, when should we expose our child to unsaved friends and their kids? Uh, from the time you put them in nursery. <laughs> uh, listen, if you raise your child to think that unsaved people are like lepers, uh, I mean, how are they ever going to be functional in society? You know, they're not. You know, you're not going to be able to keep your child under your own roof and employ them, and you can't do that. You're preparing them to live in a world that doesn't follow Christ. And now for Sharon and I, we preferred, you know, that our children be exposed to those things, you know, in their church where, you know, the leaders were favorable to the values that we had. Um, You know, we made our kids, if the church had it for their age group, our kids had to be there. If it was children's choir, if it was children's Christmas program, if it was children's church, if it was youth ministry, they had to be there. They didn't have to sing solos. They didn't have to have a big part. I mean, we didn't care. But if the church has it and it's for your age, it's, it's, it's for you. We, we taught them that. And uh, all these things that happen when this is going on, listen, your kids are going to be exposed to stuff in the church. And uh, we just felt like if we didn't think that it was time for them to be exposed to this and they somehow... Through their family, through a family member, or in the church, were exposed. We just felt like, hey, that's the Lord's intervention, and that's the time for us to bring this up and teach them. Um, question four: How do you answer your child when they say, "I tried my best, but they still did poorly"? Uh, remember last week when we were talking about teaching character? One of the things we talked about was teaching our children uh, to pursue personal excellence, whatever is excellent uh, for them. And I would say to you is nearly every child always will tell you, I I did my best. Uh, Almost no one does their best without some parent, some spiritual leader, some coach prodding them some. Um, Almost no one. There may be a few people, but almost everyone 
in order to, to give their best, has someone prodding them in, in some way, especially when uh, they're young. And so if you're going to do this, you've you got to do the most basic thing. We've talked about it several times. You've got to be honest about what's going on. You have to honestly, you've got to take off the, the, the parent goggles and just be honest and say, oh, okay, are they given the best that they can at this point in time in their life? And um, listen, if they're telling you they can't memorize spelling words, but they memorize movie lines and uh, sports, uh, athletic statistics, you know, the, the problem isn't their ability, the problem is their effort. You know, if, if they have a 25-word spelling test and they study three or four hours and get a C, you know, okay, live with it. I mean, work with them maybe on their study habits, but if that, that's a good amount of study. You know what, if they studied 20 minutes and got a C, you know, it's your job to recognize and teach them that you didn't really give your best. So you got to start by just being honest. You know, parenting is a mixture of grace and wisdom and toughness. And toughness is an undervalued quality in our culture because our culture equates toughness with meanness. I don't think you ought to ever be mean. But you've got to become tough-minded if you're going to raise your children uh, well. Question number five, I have difficulty competing. How do I better manage that to model being more competitive for my children? Um, a lot of our society has sort of like decided that competition is bad, and especially Christian people do this. Uh, listen, in a free society, everything's about competition. Uh, your child's going to be, if they're a girl, they're competing for the best guys someday, not when they're 12. Uh, if your child's a guy, they're competing for the best girls, again, not when they're 14. I've said this before. I, I think, you, you know, I, I, we didn't want our children to have any serious relationships until they're out of high school. Uh, why? Just grow up. Enjoy being uh, a, a, a single human being instead of an appendage to somebody else. You know what? It's good. Um, but, but they're going to be competing. They're going to compete in the workforce. Uh, they're going to be competing in all sorts of situations. And, and so um, don't hate competition. But competition isn't just on an athletic field. Competition is in, in, in all sorts of areas of life. And just let your children see you compete. You, you know, they don't have to see you good. Let, let, let them see you compete. Compete to be the best you. Listen, there's far too many kids that they watch their mom on Facebook four hours a day and they watch their dad plop down on a chair when he gets home from work and you know what, that's not modeling, you know, being the best you and and so just start with yourself, stop thinking competition is only about sports. Um, question number six, when should I start having my kids read self-help books? Um, I wouldn't bother having my kids read self-help books. I mean, if you want to, go ahead. I wouldn't do that. Uh, if I really felt like um, a self-help book would help, I would read it myself, model it, and teach them. Um, remember, don't lose sight of children learn most from your example. You know, you, you can give them a self-help book all they want, but they're watching you. Uh, question number seven, 
How do I teach our children that asking a question is not always a challenge to become defensive? You may remember last week I, I taught that one of the most important things you teach your child is, is that someone asking a question isn't always a challenge. And, and most people, a lot of the problems in the workforce, and the church, you, you, you know, anytime someone asks you a question, hey, why'd you do that? Immediately, you, your defense goes up. That's a terrible quality. Terrible. And so if you're going to teach your children this, first, you've got to stop being defensive every time someone asks you a question. And the second thing you need to do is not only ask questions that are pointed. You know, you're never going to teach them that all questions are not a challenge if the only questions you ask are challenging questions. And so you've got to ask questions about other things that are just, they're just not challenging. Hey, how was your day? What'd you do in math class? Uh, what'd your sister say? You know, on and on and on. They're not, you're just asking questions and you just teach them. And then when they get defensive, you point it out uh, and say, hey, you know what? That's not a challenge. Every question's not a challenge. Chill down. Uh, what'd you do when you got home from school? Uh, question number eight. Our child made a comment about a man in a restaurant with a ponytail. They're still young. Should we discuss the trans movement? Um, <laughs> I would try to keep your child innocent of all that kind of perverted stuff as long as you can. Um, ch children are inevitably going to ask questions. And when they ask, answer in an age-appropriate way. But, you know, when you take some of this stuff too aggressively, you're going to expose your child to stuff they're not ready to hear. You know, when they ask a question about it, they're probably more ready to learn something about it. Uh, now, that being said, I think from a very young age, you ought to teach your children about inappropriate touch. I mean, from the youngest age, they ought to know, hey, you know, that's my business. Uh, stay out of there. Uh, from a very young age, and that's not what I'm talking about. You don't have to explain to your four-year-old why, uh, you know, that, that's private, that belongs to you, nobody touches that. You don't have to explain why, uh, but they ought to know that that's private. Um, when it comes to appearance and, and all these kind of issues, and, and Sharon and I went, went, went through this, you know, when our kids were little, we're, we're teaching them don't smoke, you know, don't drink, and and, you know, and Sharon takes, I think it was Wally, the grocery store, and was, that man's got a cigarette. You know, you know that's going to happen. You know, or grandpa's drinking beer. You know, that stuff is going to happen. And that's your job. Your job is to teach them what's right and what's wrong and then help them learn, you know, how to apply that in life. It's why you're there. Um, I also, while I don't personally think men ought to have hair that's long enough to be in a ponytail, I don't personally jump to the conclusion that someone is a transsexual because they have a ponytail. I kind of really think that that is just, I mean, that's not wise on your part as a, as a parent, you, you know. Um, you know, teach your boys to have boy hair and your girls to have girl hair, and like I said, you know, before, hey, do you, do you want to get a haircut or you want to put a barrette in it? You know, you want to cut your fingernails or you want me to paint them? You, 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 you know, I, I do think you, you, you ought to, 
have the boy-girl thing going on, but you, you know, re remember, um, <laughs> not everybody's a committed Christian, and, and not everybody that doesn't look like a committed Christian, you, you, you know, is some pervert, and, and that's just, that, that's bad thinking. Um, uh, somebody said by the time a man realizes his father might have been right, he usually has a son who thinks he's wrong. A uh, couple of thoughts to think about when it comes to parenting. Number one, recognize each of your children are different, which means they need something different from you at times. Uh, one of the things they never need is favoritism. <laughs> never. <laughs> uh, a second thought to think about, give your children what they really need instead of all the things you didn't have. You, you know, one of the unwisest way to parent your child is to say, I, I didn't have this, uh, I'm going to make sure you do. Stop, please. Uh, number three, teach your children that life isn't fair, but then you be as fair as possible with them. Um, and we're, today we're on week 12. Uh, we have 14 weeks I, I think we're going to do uh, in, in this class. And uh, ne next week is uh, I'll be out of town. And, and so uh, uh, Ted's going to be teaching in here. Uh, he won't be teaching on parenting, and then we'll get back to parenting uh, in two weeks when, when I get back. Uh, I don't have the answers to everything. I tell you this all the time, uh, but I want to help you. I have seen a lot. I've seen a lot that's good. I've seen a lot that's bad, uh, and I want to help you. Uh, and, and so, as you know, by this time, because God knows more about what it takes to become a healthy, balanced adult, uh, we begin with the Bible and what our Heavenly Father teaches us. And we have been, for the last few weeks, talking about character. Uh, remember, character is learned behavior. Character is what someone is. Reputation is what someone thinks they are. And if we teach our children to have good character, eventually their reputation will follow their character. Our first week, we talked about teaching them to identify and appreciate the gender God gave them. The second week, if you remember, we talked about teaching them to have a healthy image of themselves. Remember, it's not the person with the most confidence who succeeds. It's the person with the most realistic view of their strengths and weaknesses that succeed. We talked to uh, them about teaching them to receive instruction and admonition. We talked about teaching them to be responsible and holding them responsible. We talked about teaching them to pursue personal excellence and then today, I, I want to talk about uh, three more character qualities that we need to build in ourselves uh, to model and that need to teach our children. And Lord willing, in two weeks, I've got three more in, in, uh, when we get together again, if Christ tarries and I'm still alive, uh, you know, we'll begin the next time talking about how to teach our children to manage their money. But today, you should be in Proverbs chapter 10. We're going to talk about some more uh, character qualities that are good to uh, model. Uh, here's number one for today. Teach them to be a good worker and to be diligent. Uh, notice what it says in Proverbs 10, 4. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Notice you are determining whether your child will have be poor or whether they'll have more money on whether they're diligent or not. Uh, chapter 12, verse 24. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. Uh, notice you are teaching them 
um, on how lazy they are, basically whether they're going to uh, be ruled or rule. Turn up a few more pages to chapter 21, verse 5. It says, The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but everyone that is hasty only to want. Notice that when you're diligent, what you think is going to produce more. It's going to produce plenty. But if you're not diligent, it doesn't matter what you dream. Listen, everybody's got dreams. Everybody has dreams. Uh, years and years ago, I used to go to the Bob Hope House Juvenile Detention Center. It was a place, young men who either were coming from juvenile detention uh, before they went back into society or kids, young men who, teenage, teenagers who had, hadn't done anything bad enough to be jailed for yet, but had done bad enough things to where they didn't want them, like in the public school, and they lived uh, there. And it, it shaped me forever when uh, I looked on the board and they'd ask all these young men. Remember, these young men are either a step down from a criminal life at 15 and 16 or walking towards a criminal life. And they asked these young men what they wanted to be when they grew up. And you know what they said? Doctors, engineers, teachers. You, you, you name it. And, and I thought to myself, you know, those are the same things that every church kid I know wants to be. They literally were exactly the same. I mean, everybody's got the same dreams. And you're either going to give your child tools to have a shot at them, or you're going to basically turn them loose as an adult without the tools to pursue their dreams and maybe they'll build them themselves and maybe they won't. But you really help them when you teach them to be diligent. Look at chapter 22, verse 29. Chapter 22, verse 29. It says, See how a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. Now, mean, remember, uh, that can be a lot of things. That's not just, you know, somebody who's... Uh, mean can be average, like the mean of these numbers. Okay? Uh... You are determining what kind of boss your kid is going to have uh, by whether you teach them to be diligent or not. So obviously we need to teach our children to be good workers. Uh, if you take notes, write down this verse, 2 Thessalonians 3.10. It says, when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. That's New Testament. Now I know in soft ears in our culture today, that seems to be a bit extreme, but in the New Testament, if someone refuses to work, not if they are unable to work, if they refuse to work, they shouldn't be fed. That's New Testament. Just like as Christian people, we're supposed to be charitable to the poor, uh, we're also supposed to be teaching people to value work and to work. Um, so how can I teach my children to be diligent? Uh, number one, set an example by your effort. Uh, stop complaining about all the work you do. Don't come home every day, complain about your job. Don't sit around the house if you're a stay-at-home mom and just gripe about everything you're supposed to do. Uh, just start by setting your example. Here's the second thing. Don't use productive work as discipline. If you're going to use work as discipline, it should be meaningless work. You know, dig a hole. Fill it up. Or give them someone else's task. 
extra work. Never use productive work as discipline. You don't want to link any kind of bad thought process with, with work. Listen, there's people here, and you struggled as a young adult with your attitude about work. If your attitude about work is that it's bad, it's harmful, I hate it, it's ruining my life, listen, that's going to rub off and it hurts your kids. How can I teach my children diligence? Here's the next thing. Have age-appropriate chores at the home. Uh, As we'll talk about the next time I teach, when we talk about managing money, you know, they should have some things that they do because they're a part of your family. They should have some things they do to earn money. Um... In our house, we did not let people have playtime before they finished work time. Uh, when they came home, our, we were seven years in a Christian school and nine years in a public school. Uh, when our kids came home from school, we gave them 10 or 15 minutes to chill. And then you finish your schoolwork. You don't play until your work is done. Uh, in the summers, we, we had a work list for them. And they would get up. And they get to chill for a few minutes, you know, and then you start in your work list. And then you check boxes off. And during the summer, uh, it was, you know, spend 15 minutes on Math Blaster. Uh, you know, all kinds of things like that. And you're just, you're just teaching them work matters and play is after work. Now, how can I teach my children a diligence? Um, Have them get a job as soon as they can. I mean, our boys started mowing when they were maybe 10. They had a paper route when they were 10. Now, listen, uh, them having a paper route at 10, that was actually our job, you know, because we had to go with them <laughs> the whole time. I mean, you can't turn a 10-year-old out, out there in the neighborhood. Uh, but have them do some, give, get them some work that challenges them. Uh, here's this. Uh, pick a wake-up time and get them up. The average adult starts their adult life out with a shifted body clock. And by that, I mean they're used to getting up at 10, 10, 30, 11 o'clock. And so then when they have a real job, they have a tough time getting up. Uh, pick a time and make them get up. Uh, in our house, it was 8.30. You're not allowed to sleep by past 8.30 ever. On Saturdays, we would let you sleep to 9 if it was a holiday. You could sleep till 9. If you were sick, we would make an exception. 8.30. I'm, I'm talking from the time they were 18 months old. And if we ever went to get them up and they didn't want to get up, I would say something like, hey, you know, I guess if you can't get up, you must have went to bed too late. We'll go to bed earlier, 15 minutes tonight. You'd be surprised how not going to bed early, and then do it. You would be surprised how it will motivate your children when their bedtime moves up. Listen, some of you here, you, you can't, no one can even talk to you and reasonably, you know, for the first hour you get up because someone, when you were a kid, let you be like that. Stop. Do your kids a favor. You, you know, a lot of you, you heard me say that and you think you're just a tyrant. No, you are a slopwad when you teach your children not to get out of bed. Honestly, this is one of the most important qualities in a functional adult. I'll get them an alarm clock and teach them to get themselves up. I'm talking before they're a teenager, they ought to know how to set an alarm clock and they ought to get up to it. 
Some of you women still wake up your husband. You know how much respect I have for that? If you could go below zero, I'd, 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 I'd give you that. Nothing. Nothing. Uh, some of you moms, you, you know, you don't get up till your kids get up. Listen, you ought to have an alarm clock and get up. It's your job to work at the house. Uh, I've got, how do I teach my children diligence? Teach them by word and example to be punctual, preferably early to everything. Uh, I've got pick reasonable bedtimes <laughs> that give you and your spouse time together. See, the average adult doesn't have get up, wake up times for their kids because they don't want to get up. Put your kids in bed at a reasonable hour, and then you should get, you know, when your kids are young, an hour, hour and a half, two hours with your spouse every night, or at least most nights of the week. Um. <laughs> I've got teach them that people with more don't owe them anything. Listen, our whole society is warped because of this idea that someone has more, therefore they owe me something. Do you know what? Most people that have more, do you know what I've learned? They basically work hard and take care of what they have. Teach your children these things. Uh, your child will never be without work for very long if they are diligent and seek personal excellence. Uh, listen, there will be a part of you as a parent that's afraid to teach your children to be faithful followers of Jesus because there's a part of you that says, well, you know, if I, if I do that, you know, they're never going to have good jobs. They're not, never going to make do anything out of themselves in life. You know, now, listen, you teach your child uh, diligence and personal excellence, and I guarantee you, guarantee you, they will always have a good job. Say, why? Because there's so few people like that in the workplace. First Timothy chapter 6. Let's get to our second thing. By the way, if you get the idea that I have a lot of passion about what I just taught you, you're getting the right idea. Say, Brother Walla, did your children always want to get up? What do you think? What do you think? By the way, uh, when they were teenagers and they had friends over, uh, if they stayed up late, I didn't really care as long as they got up when they were supposed to get up. But, but don't you hang out with your friend till 2 in the morning and then you can't get up at 8.30. Nah. You'd you be a sloplet in somebody else's house. Uh, I know, you all think I'm crazy. But, but uh, I'm, I'm just telling you, you will greatly help your children. That, that's why we're here. Uh, next character quality to teach our children, number two, teach them that God intended uh, life uh, to be enjoyable. <laughs> First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they uh, be not high-minded, uh, nor trust in uncertain riches. By the way, first notice, in the first century, there were some Christians that had money. Not every Christian was, was a poor slave. Now, many of them were, but not all of them. Some of them were rich, and Paul had a special message for rich believers there. He said, uh, don't be high-minded because you have money, and don't trust your riches. He says, instead, trust in the living God. Notice it says, who giveth, all, giveth us richly all things to enjoy. And I've got that phrase underlined and highlighted in my Bible because it's a Bible principle. God gives us 
all things to enjoy. God intended life to be enjoyable. Uh, I'm going to preach about this this morning, and so I'm not going to spend uh, much time on this. Did you know Jesus was a joyful person? Uh, by the way, I, I am amazed at how many Christian people are just negative and sour. Uh, and, and quite frankly, laughter and smiling are just too rare. I, I would be ashamed of myself if, if in the workplace I, I was the grumpiest man or woman there. I'd, I'd be ashamed of myself. I mean, with Christ in our life and heaven as our future and God's word in our hands and purpose in life, man, you say, well, if I had all the stuff that you have, I would enjoy my stuff too. Well, first off, um, I didn't always have a lot of stuff. I mean, I remember when our kids were little, going out on boys' night out and the three of us splitting an icy. One of the four of us, three boys and me, split an icy. You say, why? Because I didn't have more than two bucks. We enjoyed it. And I would hold this, I'd, I'd, like, I'd put it there, and I'd have to have my fingers like this to be able to shut the straw off. Because they, they, they knew that, hey, this is my turn. And so they'd, you know I mean, they were really going to get as much as they could. And you're like, no, that's enough. Nobody cared about a brain freeze. <laughs> Listen, whatever you, enjoy it. <laughs> so how do I teach our children to be positive and find more joy in life? Uh, a, first, make it a matter of prayer in your own life and effort. And if you're not a positive person, become one. Honestly, by nature, I'm more of a critic. And by nature, I'm more of a skeptic. And... Um, you know, if you'd have known me as a kid or a teenager, even as a young uh, uh, adult, you, you know, I, 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 just not positive by nature. Change that. Uh, when you talk to your kids about what you're doing, talk about what you get, not what you have to do. We get to go to church. We get to go do our cleaning crew. We get to go to the youth activity. We get to go to visitation. We get to give our time. It's all a click in your brain about your attitude. Uh, how do I teach our children to be positive, find more joy in life? I've got stop acting and talking like work is the most miserable thing of your life. You know, man, stop griping about everything. I, uh, I remember I was in a manager training meeting. And I don't know, there might have been, I'm going to say 20 people in this meeting, maybe 25. And whoever was leading the meeting, and I, I would have been like in the middle of the room, uh, said, why don't you just tell us about your job and what you think about your job? And, um, man, it started off, and, man, everybody was just griping about their job. And it got to me, and, and I said, well, this is the third company I've worked for, and to be honest with you, this is the best of the three companies I've worked for. And I said, all you people that are so negative, I said, I don't know why you don't get another job. I said, if you're that unhappy, why are you here? And I, and I listed off five or seven things that I thought were good about the company. And you know the amazing thing is after me, everybody said something positive. Because criticism and negativity, they're contagious. 
And so you've got to start with yourself. Hey, look, man, I get it, man. Sometimes you feel bad. Sometimes a day was tough. Sometimes your boss is a jerk. You know, I, I get it. And, and, I, and I'm not saying you never say anything negative. I'm just saying, you, you, you know, you don't let that dominate you. If you want to help your kids anyway. Uh, how do I teach our children to be positive? I got don't reward them with sympathy for whining. Uh, listen, if they ask for something in a whining voice, say, no one gets anything around here to asking like that. Um, <laughs> if you get a situation where you can, uh, put your children in situations where they recognize that everybody doesn't have what they have. You know, so often we don't recognize and appreciate what we have because we don't realize that there's people with lots less. And so if you get an opportunity to have your children around people that are genuinely poor, take it. Take it. And it'll help your children appreciate what they have. Psalm chapter 15, and we'll wrap it up for today. Psalm 15. And I just have literally two minutes on this. Just talking about character qualities to build in ourselves and model and to teach our children. Listen, biblical character will give your children a blessed life. (laughs) A blessed life. That, that's what we want for our children. Here's the last thing. Uh, teach them to be dependable. Teach them to be dependable. Psalm 15, verse 1 says, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? So this is for the places of honor in his kingdom. Who's going to be in the places of honor in God's kingdom? Notice he's going to list several qualities. First, he that walketh uprightly. Secondly, and worketh righteousness. Thirdly, speaketh truth in his heart. Fourthly, he that backbiteth not with his tongue. Fifthly, nor doeth evil uh, to his neighbor. Sixthly, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. Seventhly, in whose eyes a vile person is condemned. Uh, Eighthly, uh, he honoreth them that fear the Lord. Here's the ninth thing, and I've got this underlined. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. He lists some more qualities in, in, in verse 5, but here... He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. See, when, when, when you're swearing in this context, it's not like what you do when you are angry. It's talking about giving your word on something. Uh, I will do this. I promise. When you swear to your own hurt and change not, in other words, you say you will do something, and even if you realize later it was more difficult than what you thought, you keep your word. To be dependable, for their word to mean something. Listen, our word, your word, my word, should be as good as a signature or contract. I mean, God keeps his word, everything he says. So an aspect of godliness is for us to keep our words. By the way, what that means is we need to be more careful what we promise. But it also means when we promise something, we do it. In many ways, this is the opposite of selfishness. And I think when you're a child, selfishness is very natural. 
And when you're a young adult, selfishness is natural. I've said this a lot of times. I don't think you realize how selfish you are to get married. And then it kind of kicks you in the face. You think to yourself, I'm not selfish. And you get married and you say, ew. Uh, I also don't think you realize how selfish you are until after you're married you have children. And you think to yourself, oh, you know what, I got this selfish thing uh, licked. And then you have a child and you think to yourself, ah, God, Trey and Catherine, you're in for a, a rude awakening. You, you, you know, you, you realize, wow, you know what, um, <laughs> I'm a lot more selfish than I thought. And selfishness is the opposite of being dependable. Uh, you, you know, most of our punctuality problems, they're dependability problems. So whether the kids were slow today, well, why is your schedule such that if the kids are slow, it makes you late? Listen, when are the kids fast? But, but, but if you just put in an extra 15 minutes because the kids might be slow and an, another extra 10 minutes because you might be slow and if your target time is showing up 20 or 15 or 20 minutes early, you know what you're going to find? You're never going to be late. You're going to actually be dependable. God bless you. How do I teach dependability? Set an example of dependability. Uh, how do I teach dependability? Force them to stick to their word. Uh, unless what they promise turns out to be wrong or sinful in some way, force them to keep their word. L listen, it's learned behavior to learn that you don't promise things you're not going to do. I mean, again, some of you have struggled with this as an adult because you were let, you, you were let to do that as a child. Uh, force them to keep any commitments they make. Listen, if our kids decided they were going to be a sports team, they finished the season. Say, so what if the coaches mean? Well, then it was a life lesson on how you deal with mean coach. Uh, listen, you start a game of Candyland, we finish the game of Candyland. Uh, hey, listen, I know you, we finish what we start. Say, so what are you teaching? You're teaching them that you don't start things without an intention to finish them. It's learned behavior. It's good character. Uh, don't let them get out of things by making excuses. It don't really stop them. Uh, constantly praise them when they choose a, to pay a price to keep their word. Uh, listen, remember when we learn discipline? Discipline is not just negative things you do. It's also positive things you do. It's pretty easy to see, I think, as we think about these qualities, how they help our children greatly as teens and adults. We see their value. So that means you and I need to muster up the character ourselves to build them in our life and then to teach our children. Next week, Ted will be here. In two weeks, we will pick up on parenting. You should have a little paper, write some sort of a question on it, put it in a little pile up here. Even if um, you ask, well, did you get up every morning at 8.30 if you made them? What do you think? Yes. I, don't, I believe as a leader, you ought to always do more than you ask anyone else to do. If I've made them get up at 8.30, I would never sleep past 8. You're dismissed.